0: Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. This week, we're discussing the fan series, Star Trek Continues, particularly its eighth episode, I think
1: it's the seventh episode, Embracing (laughs) the Wind. As you said that, I just remembered that I meant to double check before I said the notes were ready to go. (laughs) <laughs> I, I watched part of it again today and I'm pretty sure it's seven. Okay, cool. Well, uh, <laughs> we've established that we are not a podcast that's friendly to numbers and I kind of want to apologize because you've apparently watched this twice now and I also want to apologize to Star Trek Continues because by all accounts this is a lesser example of their work. Do you
0: know that for sure, or or is that just your assumption?
1: I read a lot of reviews and had a look at the subreddit dedicated to the series and the talk about it on the Star Trek subreddit, and consensus is, like, there's a lot of sexist pushback against this episode, which we'll talk about later, but consensus is overall that structurally and in terms of writing, this is the weakest of the series. Oh. Good, good choice then. Sorry. I just thought, oh, it's <laughs> about sexism and we're women, and we're a feminist Star Trek podcast. This is totally something we should watch. Yeah, 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 no. I think it was a
0: good uh, episode for us to discuss. I don't think it was a good episode. I think it was a good episode for us to discuss. <laughs> and so I watched it three times, not all of it three times, and all sort of it was like it took me three times to actually get through the whole thing. Right to be completely honest and fair where, where do you want to start
1: first i want to explain why we chose or why i proposed this particular fan series out of all the fan films and all of the visual fan works uh and it's basically because star trek continues is one of the most successful and the most acclaimed by fans uh, critics mm-hmm. don't really attention to this obviously and it's sort of held up as an example of a legitimate successor to Star Trek as opposed to you know woke SJW nonsense like Discovery and I found that really interesting and I sort of wanted to see what it was like and if it was in fact as good as people say and it did some really interesting things but on the whole I think I would much rather have my discovery. That's helpful because
0: I had a lot of problems with this, but I think that like at least 75% of the problems I have with this are actually related to the original series. Yes, that <laughs> that I I don't actually like the original series enough to like this series. I think that's my main issue.
1: No, as I was sitting there watching it, I was thinking, do I have a problem with this because of flaws in the work itself or is it just reproducing the flaws of the original series? Right, exactly. It's really interesting to me that fan films are dedicated to reproducing the work that they're inspired by, whereas a lot of fan fiction, not all of it, but a considerable amount, is about looking at that, that inspiration and going yeah but what if we fixed it Mm -hmm. i mean that's why it's called transformative works right 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 which is not a word you can use at all for a fan film because it is literally in the same medium as the original work right so
0: everything that i read about star trek continues really highly praised how much it looks like the original series and i agree with that it's the sets And even, like, the lighting is all very reminiscent of... Yeah, yeah, it's great. You know, 1960s Star Trek. It's very correct in that way. And so, like, if that's that's your thing, if the original series is your favourite Star Trek, I can see why this is more your palette than Discovery.
1: Right. But we are not particularly big... (laughs) Original series, (laughs) that's not me, (laughs) and
0: and I really didn't like it at all. (laughs) In in terms of you know something, I'm glad to have seen it. This sort of like memento. Oh yeah, (laughs) because I was complaining about my film (laughs) professor and my film class on Twitter the other week, and it's it reminded me of that. In that i'm glad that i've seen it i never need to see it again yeah and and i'm okay with that i'm i'm comfortable in saying this is not
1: the star trek for me absolutely and i think a lot of fans did come to this as good faith viewers who really love the original series and really admire it as a work reflecting that love back and i totally respect that this is just not for me at all and at the same time like i have this really deep embarrassment around uh amateur acting it's why i don't listen to (laughs) podfics and stuff like that so i'm not going to seek out for example if if there are fan films based on voyager i'm not going to seek those out either this is not a medium of fan work that that is for me
0: you know it was definitely it was there were moments, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but there are definitely moments where it was the performance that was dragging it down.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of the guy playing Kirk who is also a producer and also a writer on this. Suffice to say that he denies the many allegations of sexual harassment against him and he was definitely a weak link, not the only weak link, but a weak link in the podcast his voice is
0: wrong for Kirk. Like, he's a voice actor, yeah. and he had the wrong voice for Kirk. Like, that that was just where I was at. He he was sort of fit that, like, his build was right, he looked right, but I couldn't take him seriously with his voice. And that's, that's just, again, as personal preference, I don't like William Shatner either, so... Right. Like, I, I'm not the person to ask. Chris Pine will always be my Jim Kirk. But I was not super impressed but it was also like i'm very very biased
1: no no i think that's fair but even even the dude who played spock he his voice was perfect but i didn't think his performance was that great uh Mm. christopher Dewan, james Dewan's son played scotty he was fantastic yep i agree that was definitely the best one yeah (laughs) but i was particularly compelled by the guy playing Chekhov because he's doing the cheesy accent and he has the Davy Jones haircut but there was something about him where it felt like he was acting rather than imitating and I really enjoyed that.
0: Well, I'm glad you did. I really couldn't take him <laughs> seriously at all. It was very, very hard for me. I His accent, like, mm. yeah, I, mm. I, I agree that he was doing the Chekhov accent as opposed to a Russian accent, but my God, I hated it. Like, I was just mm. very, very against the whole accent. And I think part of it was that... He did it on certain words or certain phrases, but he didn't, he wasn't actually doing the accent the whole time. Like, like he couldn't mm, hold on to yeah. it. And that might, again, that might be true to Walter Koenig too. Like, Possibly. But... Now that I think about it, I feel like he didn't always have the accent either, but it was annoying in this
1: context. Yeah. Like,
0: just, you know, I, again, I feel like that's a nitpick. Oh, it's yeah, it's just sort of a thing that but I, I didn't hate his performance. I just like couldn't deal with his accent. Like, obviously, clearly I had some kind of issues with the voices. Maybe it was the sound editing. Very like, it possibly, could be, It could be something that it was it was the production issues and not actually the actors themselves.
1: No, I noticed that because the lighting is so flawless and so professional as a reproduction of a 60s set. And then the sound editing was very uneven and you had things like audible footsteps and so forth that's usually edited out in a professional production. And then in other scenes, there's a moment where the dude who is left in command on the bridge, I don't remember who he is, but you see him thinking and in the background you hear all the voices of all the the comms the internal comms behind him and i thought that was really good and it really reminded me of the soundscape of the uss discovery and how that is never completely silent so it was interesting and i agree i think the sound was a letdown uh what did you think of the actress playing Ahura? particularly for me, that's mm. going to be the hardest role to fill. Like,
0: no, I agree. Uhura is my favorite in the original series. Nichelle Nichols is so good at mm. her, like, it's, I don't want to say shtick, because that's that's not fair to her, because it's a performance, you know? But there's this, like, uhuraness no. <laughs> that, that no. she has... I don't know that she's so charming, but also you, I completely believe her and she, like there's this seriousness to it, but it's also lighthearted. And like even Zoe Saldana, who I love, mm. like pales in comparison no. to Nichelle Nichols. And so this poor woman <laughs> has huge uh, shoes to feel. And I think, again. I liked her best when she wasn't talking. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I have an issue. <laughs> but, um, Like, her expressions, and there was this moment between her and Scotty that was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And there was a moment between her and Chekhov that was really, like, that was sort of, it had that charming gravity to it. Like, I am both lighthearted and serious at the same time mm. that really, really won me over. But... Like I I am upset that she couldn't speak Russian. I'm upset that she got that line that she got like the, you know, Teladonna exposition yeah. nonsense like I'm the girl, so you have to explain what you're talking about to me cuz I couldn't possibly get it out of context. <laughs> but like yeah. So, so she was brought down by the script. Uh so so that's my that's my take. <laughs>
1: I was also very distracted by how she does not resemble Michelle Nichols in the slightest. And don't get me wrong, she's a very beautiful actress and I would love to see her in more things. I thought she was doing a great job with a terribly written part, mm. much like Michelle Nichols. But I feel like Nichols's <laughs> whole look was very specific to the 1960s. Yes. You know, the way her hair is treated, the makeup, the way the lighting affects her skin colour. I just mm-hmm. think it's really hard to... Reproduce that, and yes, so much of so much of it is sit- steeped in 1960s, what was then progressive, but is now actually kind of racist and sexist, that maybe mm. we're better off not trying, and I'm certainly eager to see how strange New Worlds does it if it's true that they have an nahura.:
0: Yes, like she didn't have enough hair. <laughs> <laughs> Which is you know, a silly complaint, but no. it, it was just like, she had rat, real hair. She had she had her hair, and it, but it wasn't like big and, and
1: uhura-ish. I have a whole rant about this, <laughs> because I think it's very telling that they got so much of the 1960s look right. And the men's hair and makeup are great, there's not enough eyeliner on the men, but... Their hair is perfect and then you get the women and every single woman looks like she's just wearing cheap wigs and too much hairspray and none of it there's not enough eye makeup and there's not enough hair products there are yes. no wigs you know women That's in the 1960s go, were that? wearing yeah the cat's eye with the
0: wings that mm. we're, uh, always mm. has and Her- it and it so it it pulls you out because it's, you're, you're like yeah, I agree. This woman, and I'm sorry I don't know her name, but beautiful, talented, mm. but couldn't, like, she didn't have an etherealness that
1: Laura yeah.
0: And her, like, her earrings were actually perfect. Oh, I actually but... thought they were too small. Like, Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. But, like, that, like the, sh- the shapes were perfect, but they didn't, like, proportions were off.
1: They looked like they were made of plastic. They, they were flimsy, whereas Uhura's earrings were substantial. And it just looked like all of the women were wearing cheap Halloween costumes. It was really... Oh, well, like with the, like, Starburst thing going on, where they had the lines in their
0: uniforms that I was just like... That was very distracting. That's another thing that was, like, super distracting to me. And the fact that the the woman's, like, uh, com badge was a flower...
1: Yeah, I think that's like a nod to the thing in the original series where they had the idea that all the ships and all the groups and Starfleet would have their own yeah. Insidnia. But why was it a flower?
0: Yeah, like, it I, just seems yeah. like
1: I'm a girl, so I have to have a daisy on
0: my chest. Like that's <laughs> that's what came on, came, how it came across to
1: me. It was certainly telling to me that this is an episode which attempts to interrogate the sexism in Star Trek, in in the original series, in Starfleet, and in the Federation, and yet you have this complete disregard for reproducing the feminine looks of the original series. Mm. So, you want to talk about the plot?
0: Well, yes. So, uh, I'm going to go on a little rant here, and Mm. then I will try to... You know, say something positive maybe. I don't know. Eventually. You don't have to. I, I want to like at the end do like and what it'd be like because I feel badly that, that I'm just gonna be negative until then. <laughs> so live your truth. The, my, uh, my second issue with this, my first issue being that it's a pretty good representation of TOS and that's just not my thing. My, my second issue is that it is attempting to explain why Turnabout Intruder exists. Mm. And I never needed that. I, I never, ever <laughs> wanted or needed a reference. We no, we don't need to revisit Turnabout Intruder. We don't need to talk about Turnabout Intruder. We don't need to explain. That's like, we definitely never, ever, ever need to explain Turnabout Intruder. This is the same issue I have with the end of Discovery Season 2. Mm. We never needed to explain why they never talked about Michael or the, or the jump drive or any of that stuff. Like, we didn't need that. Ever. No! We don't need those explanations.
1: Don't overexplain to me. No, I completely agree, and it just seems like <laughs> such, I'm not saying this in a derogative way, but such a fanboy thing to think this is a question that needs to be answered. Right, exactly. Now, Ask any woman, literally any woman, <laughs> mm. if this
0: is a thing that needs to be explained, and they will say no. Men, apparently, think
1: that it's needed. Well, it's interesting because in our episode about zines and that particular panel in 1976, we discovered that there was a fic where Number One and a Romulan commander get together and complain about the sexism in Starfleet. So obviously, there are women in fandom who do think this is an issue worth discussing and exploring, and I'm very happy for them. I'm not going to read their fic, except for that one, if I can find it, because it sounds great. But also, when women are asking, why are there no female Starfleet captains? They're not going, oh, it's because of these aliens who are really sexist. It's definitely not because <laughs> of us. It's not because of humanity. <laughs>
0: okay, I have a list. Hurry we, we up to my list?
1: Please. So, so I said,
0: I never need an explanation for past, past sexism in a modern story. Like, I just mm-hmm. I don't need that. They, it reminds me, they did this in... in uh canon in Star Trek 2 where they did the Orion episode on, on Enterprise and it was like <sighs> you didn't it. need to do that <laughs> okay that was unnecessary so I'm not you know it's not just fans no but no. but the issue is that it, this is not fix it fic this actually compounds the issue by bringing in this whole oh wait Starfleet isn't sexist we just care about the Tellarites more than women <laughs> it's like what <laughs> that is that is not the, the gotcha that you think it
1: is <laughs> so the way it goes the USS Hood has been lost with all hands but the ship is still intact so there are two contenders for captaincy there's Spock and then there is Commander Garrett who is played by Claire Cramer who I mostly know from Buffy and she is a very competent actress who deserves much better than this uh, the the position initially goes to Spock and then uh, Captain Commander Garrett lodges a complaint and demands an inquiry because she feels she has been unfairly passed over. This episode was released in 2016. How do you feel about the theory that it was inspired by Hillary Clinton and her presidential run? Ooh, okay. So as
0: someone who was really affected by hillary clinton's failure to be president Mm -hmm. like i'm still not over that okay i know that we now have a different guy in that like we've moved on but i have not moved on entirely i don't even like hillary clinton (laughs) like hillary clinton is is kind of a war criminal and yet i'm very upset yes like i grew up in the 90s so i'm upset about the treatment she got when she was first lady and the fact that she was trying to get universal health care in 1990 something and we still don't have it and it almost feels like it's it's a well we can't possibly get a win that hillary ever wanted like that's how it feels targeted at this point
1: no, That's no, I completely understand. Up
0: America is. But I did not know that that was a fan theory, and I did not get that out of this. No. I mean, I didn't get it specific to Hillary Clinton. It did absolutely read, like, oh, them uppity women who want special treatment, mm. when it's actually, no, we don't want special treatment, we want to be seen as equal to like the men (laughs) you know we we want to we want regular treatment (laughs) we want to matter as much but it came across in this episode even though i am a crazy feminist who you know the i'm a sjw i'm Mm -hmm. everything that everybody hates like she came across as an uppity woman and it was really upsetting to me I was really yes angry <laughs> like i was i was angry on her behalf because and bringing this back to *Turnabout intruder which i'm just i'm not going to stop talking about because i'm really upset that this happened <laughs> but so the fact that like in turnabout intruder the whole thing is she wanted to be she was a woman who wanted to be captain And she was told she couldn't. And so she went completely crazy and stole Captain Kirk's body.
1: You wouldn't download a body.
0: Big yikes, okay? Yeah. And in this one, they're like, so we're going to introduce a woman who wants to be captain and we're going to suggest that she's kind of crazy and accidentally murdered people.
1: And it was just like, you
0: know what? (laughs) I don't want that story.
1: That's the other thing. Like, if this is a Clinton uh, parallel, then the terrible away mission disaster on Nimbus 3 is Benghazi, Benghazi? I guess. And so (laughs) saying it out loud, I sort of saw it. Yeah. Uh, And every time... She's questioned about this. She's like, well, I was cleared. I was, I was investigated extensively and I was cleared and I don't want to talk about it. And, like, to me, this is a pretty reasonable position. If Starfleet mm-hmm. has investigated and not charged her with negligence or anything, then where's the problem? But, like, mm-hmm. Kirk is put in charge of this investigation initially Bad. into whether... Yeah. Yeah, you know, the best friend of the guy who...
0: Oh, he's totally not biased.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) So Garrett arrives at this starbase and Kirk immediately starts interrogating her about the Nimbus 3 disaster, Space Benghazi. And she has straight up said she hasn't slept for 24 hours. Like, this is not the time to start interrogating someone about a traumatic event in their professional life, maybe? just putting that out mm-hmm. there so that's why i feel like she was set up to fail and you know, yeah she absolutely is and the issue is that
0: kirk is is allegedly on her side yeah like he, he goes around telling everybody that he totally is a feminist mm. and he totally wants a woman captain and he just not this cool. woman just yeah just not this one and that again like that's very Hillary Clinton that's very Elizabeth Warren that's very any woman yeah yeah and and I'm over it absolutely and so, like I don't I don't need it in my Star Trek like that's where I'm at <laughs> and again like I say this about that that Orion episode too like I don't need this in my Star Trek and so so I uh yeah I say it about the end of Discovery season three Mm. I love Star Trek Discovery I mean season two I do not love Star Trek Discovery season two and I hate Star Trek Discovery season two last episode and the last like 15 minutes of that episode
1: yeah it it rubs me in every wrong way possible And it's interesting you bring up the Orion episode of Enterprise which I haven't seen yet but apparently an Orion revolution is a big subplot in Star Trek Continues and in the opening scene the big original Mm. character of the show the ship's counselor, Dr. McKenna, who I'll get to, uh, is saying you know there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of violence and sort of, she doesn't say this but the subtext is, and that's that means change is bad? (laughs) <clears throat> uh, well, and that means Change of bad is kind of the subtitle for the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. Also, I just want to ask, why was Starfleet sending a landing party to Nimbus 3? It's in the middle of the Romulan neutral zone, guys, you're not allowed to hang out there.
0: I, I mean, yeah, I had a lot of questions about the whole Nimbus 3 thing. I had a lot of questions, like, it was, so she's, she's Garrett. Did yes. not even learn her first name? No, she doesn't get a <laughs> first name. So, so Commander Garrett, first name unknown, is a ancestor of Rachel Garrett, who mm. becomes captain of the Enterprise C. Yes. Like, I'm, I'm pretty... I don't, they don't say this, but they suggest it strongly. And as soon as they said her name, yeah. I was try, I actually did math in my head. I was like, is she... Like she's mother too or grandmother, young. To, like she can't be. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, she can't be actual Rachel Garrett. So she has to be like related to Rachel Garrett. Are they gonna? Are they going to? Like I was naive enough to believe that maybe the episode would end with her becoming captain of the hood. <laughs> silly me.
1: Silly, silly Annika. Ladies can't <laughs> get a win. Uh, what happens to the hood is that it winds up being destroyed because of something that comes to light in the finale, because I spoiled myself for the whole series. It is such a cop-out. I know, I know.
0: So yes, she's set up to fail because she has this horrible thing that, that like... Like, Kirk doesn't have 800 of these incidents in his own history, but whatever, that's fine. Right.
1: He's Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk does everything right. And he's saying that his reservations about her are that she can't seem to admit that she was wrong. And I'm like, not admitting that your decision making was flawed is a big part of being a captain like obviously you have to have some flexibility and self-awareness but if you can't plow ahead and keep going with you like basically garrett is a janeway and that's my type of captain and but then she's also
0: set up she's she's put up against spock like mm. spark is is star trek perfect right like spock Mm. is i I wrote about the in my amanda fashion project that spock is jesus right like spock is the most best person in all of star trek and she has is is supposed to prove that she's better than him
1: and i don't know if you've noticed (laughs) but spock is not donald trump
0: no exactly this (laughs) isn't like yeah
1: He's not even Joe Biden. Like, okay. No! No! (laughs) It's just, she's also contrasted against Commodore Grey, who is a woman in a position of command, and therefore I love her. And Grey is like, oh, well, I don't like to think that I would ever be passed over for Starfleet, for for ship command because I'm a woman, but I do wonder sometimes. And then that's as far as it goes. (laughs) She She had that line where she was like, you know, he was like,
0: "Well, you're in command," and she's like, "Yeah, but I'm ca- I'm the commander of this space station." And I was like, so like Cisco, <laughs> and I got so angry. Well,
1: I think because this is, they're sort of always moving was... the goalposts. Because is it captaincy of a Starfleet ship? Is it captain captaincy of a Constitution class ship? It's it was making me crazy. Yeah. It was making me crazy.
0: So yeah, so it was just offensive in every way, and then. So, like number four on my list is like I I said this, but I just want to say number three on my list because it makes me laugh. Yeah, who's better, Spock or this random lady? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, this and random lady four obviously is. You know,
0: is <laughs> number four is in all caps, and then the ship blows up, so it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah,
0: and then number five, the last thing on my list is, and Kirk refuses to tell his boat. <laughs> so they like. Yeah, I would have been happier if they just didn't like have that scene. If they didn't have the scene where Spock was like, Who would you have voted for, Captain? And, and Kirk is like, ha ha ha, wouldn't you like to know? Like, I just wanted <laughs> to throw things at the television at that point.
1: It felt like it was trying to throw back to the cage and uh, Pike refusing to say which of, woman cho- which of the women he would have chosen which of the women he would have chosen. Isn't it a moment of Kirk doing
0: exactly what he was saying is wrong with mm, Garrett? It's yeah, refusing to have a, a position and 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 argue it. Like it was just really annoying. It was just it was just very. So, but and the thing is that it was sort of a wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was the cage that's not great you shouldn't throw back to the cage either that's just as bad as turned about intruder that's what's wrong with the orion episode of enterprise
1: and you think about the cage and that's the episode where pike is going oh i'm not comfortable having women on the bridge not you number one you're completely sexless you don't count you're practically (laughs) a man and you'll notice that discovery has just completely erased that side of pike that was terrible and therefore that didn't happen but, but they
0: don't, like, discuss it. They don't have a... Yeah,
1: yeah. A Pike, you know, says, oh, well, I've learned. And
0: yeah, then there's a rainbow, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. That didn't happen because it's unnecessary. It's just, that was 1966, and now we are in 2021, and Captain Pike shouldn't be like that, and so we're just hmm. not going to write him that
1: way. Like, I feel like, obviously, this sort of story is appealing to people who look at Captain Georgiou in discovery and go but but in turn about intruder they said women couldn't be starship captains oh bring fetch my cell at smelling salts
0: yeah exactly but we, we never catered those people no i'm mean i'm being mean but i'm i'm just so what i wrote in my little thing here is canon should be elastic
1: i think that's canon very very should wise. not
0: be a rigid line It just shouldn't. And I know that, like, I'm weird in this, where I am capable of understanding, that sounds really pretentious, that's not, I'm not trying to be pretentious, but I'm capable of looking at different stories and saying, well, there's, you know, there's timelines. And so if it completely contradicts it, it's okay, because it's a different Mm -hmm. story. But I'm also very good at looking at something I don't like and changing it in my mind to make it make sense and then going on with my life. And I don't like force that on anyone else. I don't go on Twitter and say, I think I figured out you know, how to <laughs> explain this thing I don't like and everyone should believe me. Right. Like, there's this uh, theory that Palpatine uses, Pat, like steals Padme's life energy to create Darth Vader, which is yes. a cool theory. Like I'm not saying that's not a cool theory. That's great. I love it. I'm totally like headcanon accepted. Yeah. But uh, people who like say that is the that is the answer and you have to accept it like really annoy me. No. It's no, like it's, it's no, my headcanon. That is too, not what it but... says. That is like that is a like you it can, the the scene can be read this way, but that doesn't make it true. No. And
1: and until and we so, get the Lucas cut that reveals that it is the case, then we can just go on, it's just a headcanon. And as we keep saying, headcanons are not canon.
0: Headcanons are great, but they're not canon. But I'm also of the opinion that, like, continuity of character, continuity of ideals Mm. are important. But continuity of plot or reality... Over a period of time that literally spans over fifty years yeah it, like it should not be it, like I don't I I never ever want Star Trek
1: to be stuck in 1966 no no like please. <laughs> move on we've said before that for star trek to remain a cultural force it needs to evolve with the social mores of the time that it's being made and it failed to do that in the 90s to a great extent and that has been a real problem with it and here i think we have the production values of the 60s and the sexual and workplace mores of the 1980s
0: yeah yeah Yes, yeah, and and so they see it as progressive, because that's 20 years, right? Yeah, but it's yeah. it's like, hey guys, I would like to introduce you to 2016. Yes. And again, with, like, the Hillary Clinton thing, people were being terrible to her in the 1990s. Like, it is not, like, you, sh- you should move on. You have to move past that. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we have to. We have to evolve in order to, like... Why would you not want to evolve? I I saw someone on Twitter say that, uh and this was about Elliot Stabler, mm. but that that some people don't want characters to change. That that this is a a universe that is literally twenty two years old. Yeah. And if you count the original Law and Order, it's like, it's close to Star Trek. <laughs> you know, it's, we're getting on thirty something years, and. The idea that what was true in 1999 and what is true in 2021 should be the same is just, no one should want that for their society. Like, no. Our society needs to evolve. Our people need to evolve. Our own personal decisions and choices and ideas. Like, we as people, as individual people, I need to evolve. I don't want to be the same person I was 20
1: years ago. Oh, God, no. But I think I think you're preaching to the choir, and I think that there is a strong element of nostalgia in all of fandom. And to an extent, that's okay. I'm not harming anyone by continuing to write fic about a character who was killed off two years ago. And, you know, my voyagerie, rewatch is all about nostalgia and revisiting the person who I was as a teenager seeing this for the first time. But it's when you demand that no one else change and that nothing else change, that's when it becomes toxic. To be fair to Star Trek Continues, it is a fan production.
0: Absolutely. And so they can do whatever they want and they can they can care about the things that they care about and they can pull on the threads they want to pull because that's what fan works are. That's what transformative works are.
1: Mm. I think and it's so... a colossal waste of money, but it's not my money. So who are they hurting?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly
1: but when i say who are they hurting like this episode has over a million views on youtube and i guess the question i am interested in is what does it say about fandom that this is yeah. very successful
0: well i think it's uh, i think you when you at the very beginning when you said why you why you chose this and why this was interesting to you mm. uh, that that yeah like the people who don't like Discovery, and like like the people who prefer this to Discovery, the people who prefer the Orville to Discovery. Yeah. And like, that is not me. I haven't seen the Orville still, because I just, I just can't. Nothing about the Orville makes me think I will like it. (laughs) So, (laughs) and and that's fine. I don't have to like everything. I don't have to watch everything. I watch plenty of
1: things that no, like, that I wouldn't even recommend other people watch. (laughs) Look, I am very, very excited for this medical drama that Jason Isaacs and Sophia Bush are in uh, coming oh my up my later God. this year. It looks terrible. I cannot wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my
1: goodness. Okay. Not to be like an
0: SVU show, but SVU is so bad. <laughs> and yet, I am like a proud fan of it. Yeah. Because I think that it actually moves the conversation and has some worth as both entertainment and uh like a commentary social commentary yeah and but that doesn't mean that it like is good (laughs) it just (laughs) means that i like it people who think that something has to be true to the beginning of something Mm. And and you don't and it never changes and so like the being true to the formula is more important than than the story saying something the, the yes. story doing something and i just don't think that's true like i think that like i keep saying continuity of character i honestly believe that continuity of character is more important than continuity of
1: plot or uh like facts <laughs> No, I think that's true. And I think the big problem with Voyager is that there's often uh, Mm. limited continuity of character. And that's Mm -hmm. why that's part of why it has such an obsessive fan base after all this time, because we're filling in the gaps. Right. It forces us to ask the questions why did this happen? Yes. Yeah. So would you be surprised to learn that this deeply sexist episode was criticized for being too woke and pushing an agenda? and shoving feminism down our throats. Okay. I. How do those people live in 2021?
0: Like, I just I, I how do you, how can you reconcile that belief with anything that is happening?
1: I attended a really interesting Zoom lecture this week about, uh, it's called You Killed My Childhood, and it's about toxic fanboys, which the lecturer used as Ooh. a non-gender specific pejorative term and it was really very 101 but the interesting thing they did was uh aggregate the language used by this particular type of person and a lot of it is like there's so much violent in imagery and so much being shoved down throats and it's as if they, they they sort of occupy circles where everyone believes them and everyone agrees with them and so one, they assume that their opinions are mainstream and therefore correct, but also, they're not really meeting other people? If if the only women you interact with are your wife or your mother, then... Who were raised in the same
0: society yeah. that
1: tells you that they are secondary to you? Or who are just too tired to keep arguing with you. <laughs> To me, it's very, very strange, but at the same time, I live in a totally woke bubble and it's oh yeah amazing to like talk to my mom who lives in a retirement community mm-hmm. and has a different mm-hmm. type of bubble. You know, it's been going around uh, Trek Twitter. There was like
0: a very big brouhaha that basically came down to
1: one side was saying <laughs> yes. we, need to- we need to be more intolerant, be more tolerant of intolerance.
0: And the other side was like, nope. Yep. <laughs> and I'm on the nope side.
1: No, no. I'd never even heard of these people before the other day. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> and now they're everywhere. It, it, was a, it was scary. What was horrifying to me was how many of the people uh, supporting Tolerant of Intolerance Guy had yeah. IDIG and BLM and <sighs> Rainbow Flags in their profiles. And it's like, guys, guys, do you not... See the disconnect between the values you say you uphold and this. Yes. So going back to the episode yeah, that we're yeah, allegedly yeah. talking
0: about, the whole the whole like humans and Starfleet aren't
1: sexist. It's the Tellarite fault, mm-hmm. like thing. That whole thing. But then the Tellarite ambassador is like, "No, no. I, oh my god, I'm totally a feminist, right. and I'm trying to change my society." Oh my god. And so, so with that, to me, like, I again, this was like.
0: I felt like they were they were writing that to be like, ooh, gotcha, see, haha, ha, we're mm. so clever. But what it came across to me as, they didn't even ask the Tellarite. No! They it, just
1: assumed mm, that the Tellarites mm. were sexist. And that made me think, is this also a metaphor for uh, liberals accommodating Islam and then oh. the right wing going, ha, so you want Sharia law? Right, right. And it's like, no. Mm.
0: No, guys, no. But that tellerite thing, it reminds me of the bigotry doesn't belong in the bridge. Yeah. We have said in our earlier episode is not aggressive. But it also reminded me of don't ask, don't tell. Yes. It was a very, very big deal. People were saying, like, oh boy, a win for the gay community. And it's like, how is that a win? Like, on what planet (laughs) is it a win? That you can exist as long as you don't tell anybody the truth about yourself. Like, that's gross. Yeah. No one should ever have to live in that reality. Like, ever. You should never have to hide who you are in order to exist and, like, live in a comfortable society. And so... Yeah. but But that's how, like, that's what this whole... Like, the Federation was more invested in creating the fiction that we get along with Tellarite mm. than caring about either Tellarite or human. Women. Right, like, right. And, the end it, and it's, it's sort of, it's also in Deep Space Nine with the Ferengi. Yeah. Like, they sort of come around where they're like, the Ferengi are progressing by the end, like they're changing Ferengi society, mm. right, to make Ferengi society more progressive. And have women be allowed to wear clothing (laughs) it's it's like (laughs) the fact that the Ferengi society exists in the 90s (laughs) it's a little upsetting to me
1: yeah I'll be honest and it, it is genuinely a challenge to walk the line between respecting cultures and not allowing a cultural imperative to harm others I completely get that but it's a really complicated story to tell and I don't think either this or Deep Space Nine's Ferengi Mm-mm. did it particularly right. well. Exactly. They didn't they didn't
0: do it. And on on one hand, I appreciate the attempt. Yes. Like it's better to try and fail than to not try.
1: Right. And Because as not we...
0: trying is like the don't ask, don't tell. Like that mm. that's just like it the it's like we're gonna live in this land of rainbow cherries mm. and But we're not, you know, but we're not going to address any of the actual issues. And, like, that's what Black Lives Matter is about, too. You know, like, Black Lives Matter is is saying you can't live in the world of rainbows and cherries. You, like, until you acknowledge all of the horrors that you did before then. Right, right. You can't say I don't see color. Because... That means that you don't see all of the really terrible things that happened to people who look like me.
1: Yeah. If you're in Australia, you can't celebrate Australia Day if you can't even acknowledge that that's the day that marked the beginning of a genocide. Well, we got very political. I mean... Uh, yeah. I don't think it's entirely our fault No, but... <laughs> no. Before we wrap up though, I would like to talk about uh, Michelle Specht's character, Dr. McKenna the big yes. original character for this, this show and the conceit is that she's a ship's counsellor and she fought to get her uh, posting on the Enterprise because she felt like these starships really needed a counsellor and I salute her and we barely see I... Spe- SPECT. In this show in this episode, but I really, really enjoyed her performance. I love her. Like, so she, I have
0: met Michelle SPECT, mm-hmm. and she's an amazing person. Uh, she actually gave me makeup tips. Oh, so shout out <laughs> to her Starfleet makeup tips. It's funny because when I was doing my research for uh, counseling in star trek Hmm. when i was uh and and honestly i'm still doing that research (laughs) like i haven't stopped so i'm doing still doing my research into why it's important for there to be a counselor in star trek and people you know i would list the counselors and i would say so there's elizabeth daner and katrina cornwell and deanna Troy and as Dax and numerous people would reply to me and tell me that I was forgetting Dr. McKenna mm. and it was weird because it was sort of like well, not really can yeah, but you know I could I could make up a counselor <laughs> on, and stick her into Voyager and that wouldn't be true like but at the same time I do I do have to appreciate that this fan series, like in that way, they were sort of taking, the the, you know, the next generation yeah part of of Star Trek and putting that into it and saying, you know what, we they did need a, a counselor as early as on Kirk's Enterprise, and I I appreciate that and I really like
1: her. Yeah, same. And I went and looked up the character and saw what happened to her. Uh, do you mind spoilers? No, I don't. Go ahead. I'm not going to watch it. No. So first of all, I know we don't believe in the concept of the Mary Sue, but let's look at the classic Mary Sue ideal. She's young. She's beautiful. She's assigned to the Enterprise. She is incredibly (laughs) attractive to both Kirk and Spock. She has a really profound bond with both men. And then she heroically gives her life to save the ship and is mourned forever. Uh Uh-huh. So that's what happens? Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? In the finale, Dr. McKenna sacrifices her life to save the Enterprise, and Kirk is so devastated that he accepts the promotion to Admiral, and Spock returns to Vulcan to undergo the colonar, and the series ends going into the motion picture. I see. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> guess how much criticism there is of Dr. McKenna in terms of being a Mary Sue. Oh my goodness.
0: I I can I mean, she's a woman in a Star Trek series, so obviously she's a Mary Sue. I mean, isn't that all of them? I found none at all.
1: Really? Yeah! And I kind of think, one, she's a really well-executed original character, and two, mm. she's pretty, she's feminine, and she is not in a position of authority, she's in a caring profession, and she dies.
0: I think it's the and she dies that really sells it, because you were describing Dr. Crusher and Deanna Troy. No, no. And there is still a lot of hate for Dr. Crusher and Deanna
1: Troy. Yeah, absolutely. But I kind of feel like also that definition that mary sue story comes from what i'm going to call the generally female side of fandom you know that story was Mm. defined by paula jones it was in fanzines and i think men just get a pass dr mckenna is white which also helps she doesn't get the whole michael burnham treatment but other than not being secretly related to Spock, she is the most classic Mary Sue, and I love that for her. I'm just so intrigued that there is none of the pushback that you would see even if this was a character in a fic. Yeah, that is weird. I mean,
0: it could partly be because she, the actress was married to mm. Oh, and oh so, yeah. And so, like, there could be sort of this meta thing where... That was a character that was created for a specific
1: reason, and mm. and people are into that. And certainly she has a sort of unspoken romantic connection with Kirk, which, mm. girl, I'm not into, clearly you need to hook up with Spock, but, whatevs. Obviously I'm always going to go for Spock over Kirk. Everybody should hook up with Spock, right? Exactly. Uh, I also didn't like this show it seemed to be uh, shipping Scotty Ahura instead of, anyway, anyway. People have different pairings than me. I suppose I'll That's allow it. a thing
0: it. that I know. I know. People. I mean, as someone who, like Spock and Uhura, is my Star Trek OTP mm-hmm. at this point. Like, I, I have people have pushed back on me enough that I have been rabid about it. <laughs> yep. And but that is one of the things that is thrown at Spock Uhura shippers all the time. It constantly. We are. First of all, we're called homophobic because we don't want. Spock and Kirk together, which is not true, just demonstrably
1: not true, but okay. No, no, because obviously AOS, Kirk, and McCoy is the jam.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then we are like being unfair to Scotty because Scotty and Uhura were canon far before Spock and Uhura, and it's like, okay, if you want to believe that... That's good. That's nice for you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be over here in my completely alternate timeline. Right. Where Spock and Uhura are going to get married and have two. So, bye.
1: I love it. I love it very deeply. Uh, anyway, I was just really fascinated to see the lack of. Mary Sue type criticism. That is actually very interesting. It's very interesting. Obviously, when I say Mm. she is a total Mary Sue, I don't mean that as a criticism. I honestly really respect how well she conforms to the type and yet is very charming and magnetic and likable. Like, I feel like Mm. half of the problem with the idea of a Mary Sue is that she's not necessarily appealing to anyone but the author. And and so Mm. it's difficult for the reader to make the connection that the story needs. There are no bad Mary Sues, There are just poorly executed Mary Sues. That should be a t-shirt. Thank you. Because that is that is entirely my opinion on the whole matter. Having finally finished my what about man person design, I will move on to the next. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, we can monetize (laughs) this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think that's everything I have to say about this story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I. Appreciate it on a sort of a, a meta level as a fan. I appreciate that clearly the people, everybody involved in this cares a lot. Yes. And really loves Star Trek. Uh, you know, the original, really loves the original series and wanted to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And I think that they should get to. It is not what I want out of fan works. Um, and it's not what I want out of Star Trek. But that's okay because my whole opinion on everything is that there should be as many... There should be so much variety in every single thing that exists in the world so that there is a part of it for everyone. So that everybody gets to... participate in it. There should be a Star Trek for everyone. Even the people I completely disagree with.
1: No, I agree. And I think it's really... This is worth talking about because it's so popular and because it's so significant, but I don't really feel compelled to go and analyse every single fan film for Mm. anything, really. Uh, It's, yeah. I'm glad I watched it because I feel like I've expanded my knowledge and understanding of fandom, but if nothing else, I think more fan films should only hire professional actors. I mean, but then... I don't know. That that makes them prohibitively expensive, I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, if we just, if we got rid of money. Yes,
0: yes. And we got rid of copyright. Yes. And we got rid of everything that is in the way of creativity. Then imagine the amount of Star Trek we could have. <sighs> imagine it. It'd be beautiful. Every single Star Trek story you ever want told would exist. And we just have to get to that Star Trek
1: reality, where there's no money and people can do whatever they want. And until we reach that uh, utopia, I just want to point out that writing fanfiction has very low cost of entry. And reading fanfiction even less. Right, right. So, you know, obviously that's the more ideologically sound fan work.
0: I'm gonna, I, I feel safe in saying there's a million Star Trek fanfictions
1: out there, so, like, there is one that you will, like... It's not just badly written pornography, though. There's plenty of that, too, and we'd be lost without it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at Antimatterpod, and on Facebook, just search Antimatterpod. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us in two weeks when we'll be following this fan work discussion by looking at an iconic work of early Voyager fan fiction, the Talking Stick Circle series by Macedon and Peggy. You can find it on Archive of Our Own. Exciting. Me too. I haven't (laughs) read this since the 90s.